It's Thursday, April 23rd. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Funds, Tony Arsta and Bill Barker. Happy Thursday, gentlemen. Thank you, Chris. This is one of those days where, news-wise, we could probably go for about an hour or so. We're not going to do that, though. We're not going to inflict that kind we're of damage on <laughs> we're not going to inflict dozens of listeners. We're not going to be going through 3M's quarter as big and as uh, company as that is, and as widely held as it is. How about P and G? Procter and Gamble. How about Pepsi? How about Caterpillar in yeah. North America getting it done? We're not. We're not actually talking about any of those. We are going to talk about Google, eBay. Uh, we will get to the full mailbag because holy cow, did the mail start rolling in on the topic of? corporate logo tattoos. But let's start with Facebook. Slowest revenue growth in two years, and yet, I don't know, it, it, it seems like, if, if that's what you're pointing to, Tony, as, as a problem for this company, it, it, it's, it seems like pretty weak sauce. You know, they now have over 1.4 billion monthly active users. It, Facebook as a country is now the biggest country in the world. You right. looked at the quarter. Yeah. What did you make of it? Yeah, the thing about Facebook, they give so many numbers you can find. Wait, it, can we back up? In, in what sense is it the biggest country in the world? Population-wise. What's its population? I think it's like one point, it's closing in on 1.5 billion. It's 1.4 billion monthly active users, if that somehow equates to population. Right, in Chris's like, like mind, Chris it does. To, Got it. I'm just helping the, re- the listeners out. <laughs> <laughs> but only 65% of those users log in every day. Whereas, <laughs> so that's about a billion people. Whereas all of the Chinese breathe every day. Right. So they're, you know, they're users every day. There you go. Of oxygen. In terms of the quarter, though, did anything so it, stand out to you? Yeah, a few things. Uh, Facebook gives numbers on everything. They give their number of users, uh, revenue per user. There's so many numbers and so much data, you can take a long time breaking it out. One of the things that stood out to me, though, is just their average revenue per user, which worldwide grew year over year from $2 per user to two fifty per user. Within the U.S. and Canada, that number grew from 585 to 832 so it shows you the the potential they have in the rest of the world, which is where many of the users come from, uh, parts of Asia, uh, everywhere really. But uh, there, there's a lot of room for growth there. The uh, I mentioned that 65% of the monthly users use the service every day, so that's a huge number. 85% of the total users use mobile, and of the mobile user base, 40% of those people only use mobile and never log into a desktop. Uh, version of the site, so they're they're growing in all the right areas. Uh, revenue year over year was up forty two percent. Over seventy percent of that is now on mobile, so they're doing all the right things, growing in the right areas. Costs are rising, but as long as they keep that growth going, the stock will continue to hit all time highs. Yeah, some people in the media, Bill, were were really hitting that point about the spending, uh, how much money Facebook is spending. And I, and I get that. I mean, obviously, you don't want your, your cost to outweigh the, the money that you're bringing in the door. By the same token, even though this is a young company in general, and specifically a young public company, I kind of feel like in a short amount of time, Mark Zuckerberg and his team have or should have earned the benefit of the doubt in terms of the way they spend money. Well, I suppose it is the job of at least some in the media to bring up the other side, right? And and that is that the 
revenue growth is uh, at least lately has outpaced the the profit growth, right? So uh, that's worth pointing out. In what is the downside to an exceptional uh, revenue growth story? Uh, I I agree with you that right now uh, the burden is on the other side to prove uh, any sort of bear case here uh, as to why there are things to worry about with this stock more so than than the average stock. It's it's still in hyper growth mode uh, and it is very difficult for anybody to value and to predict uh, what the next number in any hyper growth sequence is. Uh, so you know caution should be uh, taken for those that, that don't like that kind of bumpy ride at times, but uh, it's been a reasonably smooth ride for shareholders given that uh, that kind of hyper growth on the stock uh, over the last at least 12 months. It has been a great ride, and the company is now valued roughly at the same price as Nestle, and they have operating margins around 50%. So when you're talking about uh, maybe cost rising too fast or anything like that, we're, we're not talking about some small startup here. We're talking about a very large company. Let's move on to eBay. First quarter revenue up about 4.5%. Uh, 14% increase in sales from the payments business, and the stock up around 4 or 5% this morning. Uh, Bell, on balance, looks like a pretty big quarter. I, I want to get to the PayPal spinoff in a moment, but first, did, did anything leap out in terms of their quarterly results? No, I think, you know, in terms of the marketplace business, uh, nothing leapt out to me, and I think that all eyes are on the uh, the PayPal spinout, um, which is more interesting because it is the faster-growing piece uh, of of the equation right now, uh, and that is always what the market is most excited by is is stronger growth. So, uh, as of uh, 2016, you find that the expectations uh, out there in the marketplace are that. Uh, the revenue will be pretty much even between PayPal and, and the marketplace uh, segment. So uh, that is coming off of uh, PayPal growing, you know, at, at a closer to sort of thirty percent rate right now, and, and the uh, actual uh, marketplace is is around five percent, I think. The marketplace actually declined uh, year over year because of revenue. Uh, I'm sorry, because of uh, currencies. They they said it would have grown about three percent with no currency impact. I think Donahoe, uh, the CEO, said that the the spinoff was coming in the third quarter. So, I, I guess sometime this fall, uh, for for anyone who is a shareholder or anyone who is thinking, you know what, I want to, I want to get me some PayPal and I'm going to buy some eBay just for that purpose. How, how does it typically work? Uh, it, like, if you own shares of eBay, once the spinoff occurs, all of a sudden you've now got shares of PayPal in your account. Right. In this case. Uh PayPal is being spun out, so you'll have your shares of eBay, you'll get shares of PayPal, the value of the eBay shares will decline by roughly the amount that those PayPal shares begin trading at. So the total value of what you own will be roughly the same, but people will be able to buy one or the other following that spin out. I'm actually pretty curious to see how this goes. I know a lot of people have been talking about PayPal being the more attractive option here, but that core marketplace business does over $3 billion a year in, in Operating profits and has margins of about forty percent, so it's it's not growing right now. But I am kind of interested to see where those prices go following the spin out. There could be an opportunity as a value play on that side. So one of the things we talk about from time to time is when there's an IPO, 
it, it's different, obviously, being a public company than a private company. And we've seen companies, Facebook being one of them, that sort of struggled at least early on with just sort of managing expectations, dealing with Wall Street, all that sort of thing. Do you think PayPal is protected from that just because whoever is working at PayPal is already part of a publicly traded entity? Or do you think that no, you know what? It's it's still going to be different for them. Maybe not as big a leap as going from fully private to fully public, but there's still going to be an adjustment. I doubt there will be much of an adjustment there. They announced the separation last September, and they they've already announced who the the management teams of both companies will be. They've been breaking out the numbers, so any analyst following the company can value each segment separately and then decide what what you should pay for the whole business right now. So I, I doubt there will be uh, much trouble there. Uh, to follow up on part of that, I think there, or I think what Tony was poss- saying before, when you're talking, speculating, there may be people out there who want a piece of PayPal and are willing to buy eBay today. We can posit that those people will then sell their eBay once there's a spinoff. Right. If so, there may be some opportunities here because, as as noted, there's a real business uh, for eBay. It's it's call it you know half of the total value of this this combination. I'm I'm sure you can split it up more finely than that. But uh, it's it's if it sells off uh, after the spinoff, there may there may be some something to be interested in about in the third quarter. Google reports earnings tonight after the market closes, uh, but Google is very much in the news to, uh, after announcing that it is going to offer its own wireless service called Project Fi. Uh, Tony, how does this work, and how worried should AT&T, Sprint, Verizon, and the rest be? It is interesting that uh, Google is doing something that's been around for at least a decade. It's called an MVNO, which is a mobile virtual network operator. So this was big about 10 years ago, where a lot of companies were trying to launch uh, networks that would rent space from the big telecoms. And a lot of it still exists today as prepaid plans, that sort of thing. There's smaller markets where you can do this. Google is by far the biggest company and the most well-known that, that is taking this approach. And uh, basically what they're doing is they're renting excess capacity from both Sprint and T-Mobile. Okay. Uh, plus, using public Wi-Fi networks uh, to to really try to just lower the price of of mobile data usage. It's they're not building out any infrastructure for it. They're they're just piggybacking on what other telecoms already have built. But uh, where this will really benefit them is if they can lower the cost of data usage and get more people to use Android and and use all the other Google platform uh, apps. Uh, that that's a win for them. It doesn't really matter if they make money on this or not. So, would this be an offering to people where you buy an Android phone and you'll get this Project Fi data plan at half of what you would pay? Would, is that how they would get people into this? Right. So, right now, it only works with the Nexus 6 phone, which is the phone that they make and sell themselves, uh, which very few people have relative to all the other Android and iPhones out there, but uh, so it is a very small market. But the the plan would be starting at twenty dollars a month for unlimited voice, uh, tethering, and then for data usage, you'd spend another ten dollars per month for each gigabyte of data that you use. So that comes out if you use, for example, three gigabytes 
in a month, that would be $50. And I believe most of the major carriers are around 65 to $70 for a similar plan at this point. Okay, so a discount, but not, not a drastic discount. Right. What they're really trying to do here is to make everything cheaper for the end user. Uh, whether or not they gain any significant market share doesn't matter. So by undercutting on price a little bit, they'll be able to uh, ratchet down the amount that companies like AT&T and Verizon can charge. We saw a similar thing when they rolled out Google Fiber in Kansas City, where uh, AT&T upgraded their network as soon as Google announced they would be entering. It also seems like, uh, at least on some level, they're messing with other companies. Like, Do you think there's a chief officer of messing with other companies where it's like, hey, you know, you know who we could mess with? The telecoms. How can we do that? Wow, well, there's this technology that's been around for about 10 years. Let's see if we can uh, work out a piggybacking deal, and, uh, and we'll just kind of mess with AT&T. They're very good at messing with other people, which is why the <laughs> European Union is currently suing them for messing with other people. What do you think of this? I, You know, it's an offering that is interesting, uh, because the price point, I do think, is uh, going to be enticing to some people. But you've got to own one of their phones to use it. So it's look, they're already in that business, and you know to extend that a little bit further uh, makes sense. And I, I think it's nice to be in the position of saying, you know, we don't really care whether we make money on this kind of thing. Let's just do this. We can we can give people a service, and they can save money, and you know. It's not the it's not a huge growth driver for our business, but we can we can do it uh, by we don't have to spend tons of money advertising. I don't think you're going to see you know Google getting out there and advertising this service on TV the way you know Verizon and AT and T and and Sprint are on every commercial break these days. Uh, but they don't they don't need to do that. If it catches on, then maybe they start advertising a little bit. Maybe I suppose, but uh, they've they've got a they've got the opportunity once more to just find out if there's a business there. What should we look for that will give us an indication that they do think there is a business there? Is it the next iteration of an Android phone? Uh, is it television advertising? What are you going to watch? Well, uh, there, there's a few things that could happen here. One of the things that people have speculated for a while is that Google would actually go out and purchase T-Mobile. So obviously that would change things if that happened. Uh, I think that's probably a long shot, but it's a possibility. What's more likely here is that we just see AT&T and Verizon start to be a little bit more competitive in terms of lowering their data prices. It'll be interesting, though. So many people in America use family plans to get their data. And as of now, this Project Fi does not have a family plan. It's just for a single phone. So I'm not sure how disruptive it will be immediately. But it will be interesting to follow down the road and see how they tweak the offering. Radio at Fool.com is our email address. And we've done, over the last uh, four-plus years, somewhere in the neighborhood of 800 episodes of Market Foolery. And email comes in on a variety of topics. Uh, a lot of times it's questions about individual companies. A lot of times it's about burgers. If we're talking about burgers. What, what percentage of it is hate mail? What percentage? What percentage? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm happy to say it's a low percentage. Not high enough, you're it's, saying. Uh, <laughs> 
I'm not looking to invite hate mail. I, I'm happy to give out your personal email address if you're looking to. I don't have an email address. Don't um, listen to him. But all, over those years and those hundreds of episodes, I can honestly say we have never gotten more email in a short amount of time about any single topic as we did in the last 48 hours. Not even the burgers? Not even the burgers. Wow. More email and more tweets in the last 48 hours. You've discussed al- alcohol a number of times. Sure. About tattoos. Tattoo. And specifically, you, you made the comment that uh, Harley Davidson is uh, in, engenders such brand loyalty amongst customers that some of them actually get the tattoo. And we were talking about, well, what other co- corporate tattoos out there? Are, are out there, and um, and our dozens of listeners did not disappoint. They they rose to the challenge. So let me just share a few of the comments that we got from Nick Blackman in Houston. Another quintessential American brand that you find plastered to the arms and other body parts of men all across the nation. Jeep. Legions of fanatical off-roaders in every state drive Jeeps and are incredibly brand loyal. So that's that's nice for the people at Fiat Chrysler. Uh, Mark, from Mark Wise, uh, listener number 9,759, I work for Apple, and I've truly seen hundreds of people with Apple logo tattoos. Some employees, but the majority are just our customers. I've even seen one guy with a, Charles, uh, with a Charlie Manson-esque Apple tattoo right between his eyes. Now that's brand loyalty. That's creepy. That's brand loyalty, but that's also creepy. Uh, from John Wisely, I was hollering sriracha out loud while listening to Tuesday's podcast. I'm not sure if that's publicly traded, though. Uh, it's not. It's part of a, a smaller public, uh, private company. But uh, Bill Mann is a big sriracha fan. He loves that sure. sauce, doesn't yeah. he? Uh, from Scott Levine, I'm pretty sure there are a number of soccer fans in England that have Manchester United tattoos. And along those lines, I bet some of those fans have Guinness tattoos, a product of publicly traded Diageo. Uh, and some of the comments we got uh, on Twitter, at MarketFoolery, from Kakoa Davidson in Bellingham, Washington. My friend's last name is Miller, and guess what? He's got the Miller Time logo tattooed on his right shoulder, but he drinks craft beer. From Deepak uh, Hadpawat, I apologize for butchering your name, Deepak. I knew a kid in college who had the Lacosta crocodile tattoo. Lacoste. Uh, Lacoste, excuse me, crocodile logo tattooed on his chest right where it would have been while wearing their shirts. And from Lone Oak Capital, Jack in the Box, but only after ordering the Stoner Special. Wow. People will get just about anything tattooed. It, it's more. You know, more commonplace than we thought. I, I like the Guinness. I think I can see that being a popular one. You don't. None of us have have because, in, in part because you just get the logo, not not necessarily the name, just like the harp, right? You could do the harp, and yeah. then you use more quietly, you know, saying something. It's got to be something that ages well. Five years from now, do you still want the same logo? And something like Guinness has been around. A long time. Well, and along those lines, one uh, one of our listeners uh, tweeted a comment about uh, Green Bay Packers logo. You're you're a Packers fan. Any chance? If you had to get a tattoo, would would the Packers helmet be on the short list? I'm not asking you to pick right now, but is that on the short list? You're a pretty you're a pretty big time fan. Yeah, that would not be on the short <laughs> list. Uh, it would have to be something that that has a personal meaning, and I think something like a big corporate logo or a team logo. Uh, I, I I can see it for other people, but no, not on my do, list. Do you all. think in the history of this company anybody's ever had the the Elvis icon tattooed? The the Motley Fool logo? Yeah, 
Boy, I don't know. I hadn't even thought of that before. I, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no, in part because of the size of our company, where you know where you're not talking about a particularly huge universe of people. No, it's 20 years now. I mean, ever. I'm I'm, I'm going to agree. It probably isn't, but but, and and it would have maybe gotten out, right, if somebody had done that. Uh, or one of our one of our members, one of our listeners, maybe. Sure. I but I'm, I'm still going to go. I'm I'm still I'm I'm gonna, yeah I'm betting against that. All right. But you know, email us radioatfool.com if if, if if you're rocking the Motley Fool logo tattoo. Uh, you can read more from these guys. You can go to Fool Funds and sign up for declarations. It is the free monthly newsletter from Motley Fool Funds. New edition out today. Out today? Out today. Go to FoolFunds.com and sign up for that because it's always good stuff. Tony Arsta, Bill Barker, thanks for being here, guys. Thank you. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday.